Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's Word that is the focus of our attention this morning is our Gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 16. Please rise as we hear the final verse of this passage. Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters. Indeed, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Thus far the reading. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. One of the things that people outside of the church tend to think about church is that all we're after is their money. Now that might be true of some churches, I don't know. I don't really think it's true of, of our church or even of our church body, but still that perception is out there among many unchurched people. But did you know that there are about 2,300 Bible passages that speak about money, about material goods? Why is that? Well, it's because money and material things are important. They're gifts from God. God has given us these things to manage for him, to use for the benefit of his kingdom. And we know, though, what a slippery slope it can be to think too much about money, about material goods. The one who dies with the most toys wins is kind of a prevailing thought of our society. The only thing better than money is more money, we're also told. The only thing, though, about that saying that's true is, well, no, it's not true. All right. Rich people fill our news feeds. Rich people seem to fill our social media feeds. At least the the famous rich people. We in this country and culture have a fascination with money. We obsess about our retirement accounts. We fixate on getting newer and better things like, like cars. We have discussions, so-called, in our marriages that sometimes disrupt our marriage because we're focused on money. Sometimes the church budget can be an item of, of rancorous discussion. So when we come to this parable that Jesus tells about the shrewd manager, maybe we're a little bit confused. We know that the attitude we're supposed to have toward money and toward material goods, we know what it is. So why would Jesus be holding out this manager, this dishonest manager, as an example of someone to follow? Let's think today about this concept of Mastering money. Consider this. If you serve money, well then money is mastering you. And this man in the parable, this manager in the parable, it was pretty obvious that he was being mastered by money. And by the way, the translation that we have in this, in this gospel reading, the translation uses the word mammon. We may know that word, but it's not one that we use in, in everyday English. And it's actually more inclusive than just money. 
It really refers to money and all material goods. But I'm going to refer to money simply because that's the way we tend to speak. And again, this manager in this parable was mastered by money. His number one concern was making money for himself. Because it doesn't seem like he was all that concerned with making money for his boss, for his master. The accusation was that he was wasting his master's possessions. Now, we don't know what he was doing. Was he, was he skimming off the top just a little bit? Was he cheating in some other way? Was he cooking the books to make it look like the master was making more money? And he himself was actually pocketing quite a bit. Whatever he was doing wrong, he also showed that he was under the mastery of money. When he was faced with the prospect of losing his job, he had a pretty good gig going. And so he used his creative financing skills to help out, help himself out. In essence, what he did was give big discounts to all of the debtors of his master. And somehow that worked. His master was impressed. He said that he acted shrewdly. Seems like the master maybe had more money than he knew what to do with because he definitely had lost money in what this manager had done this time. And this manager, though, did whatever he could, whatever he needed to do to keep his job, to keep the money coming in. Money was mastering him. It was all important to him. How important is money to you? Now, maybe if you're young and you're still dependent on your parents for whatever money you have, well, maybe you don't think that money has mastery over you. But it might. What do you have your sights set on? Do you you look at something and you say, oh, I've just got to have this or that? Are you looking for newer or nicer clothes? Maybe the, the neatest, coolest, newest electronics or whatever it is that your friends have, is that what you're focused on? And then, of course, when you get a little bit older and you're on your own, it's easier to see how money, how stuff can can permeate our minds. You have to keep your cars running, put gas in them. You have to pay rent or a mortgage. You pay utilities. You have mouths to feed. And if you have a family, well, there are more mouths to feed You have to budget for contingencies. What if I lose my job? What if my car breaks down? What if some other crisis happens? You want to budget for entertainment or travel. You start thinking about investing for retirement. Oh, and of course, there is the offering that you want to give to the church. The list can get pretty long, can't it? Now, all these things are not necessarily bad, in and of themselves. When it can get bad is when such thoughts start to take over your brain, use up too much space, they start to take over your life. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, watch out and be on guard against all greed because a man's life is not measured by how many possessions he has. Now, if you're measuring your life by how many possessions you have, then you are being mastered by money. 
and it doesn't turn out well in the long run if that's the case. Jesus said you cannot serve both God and mammon. If you're serving God, if he is number one in your life, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, well, then you're on the right path. Things are going to turn out well for you. But if you're serving mammon, if you are serving material goods, it doesn't turn out well. You end up going to hell if that is truly what you serve and you keep doing so. The other approach to not being mastered by money, of course, is to master money. If you're the master of your money, you actually are serving God instead of serving yourself. Now, why would we want to do that? Why do we want to serve God with our money? Well, it's definitely not because we're trying to to build up some sort of celestial brownie points with God, trying to get in good with Him by by serving Him with our money. And it's not simply that we're following His commands, doing our duty by serving Him with our money, simply out of a sense of obligation, that is. We want to serve God with our money because He serves us. I want you to imagine receiving a huge gift. Now, for you young people, maybe it's a gift of $500 that grandma and grandpa gave to you. How are you going to react? For you young adults, maybe it's $50,000 that your parents decide to give to you to kind of help you to get a good start in your adult life. For all of us other adults, maybe it's a million dollars tax-free and one lump sum that that some relative decided to give to you because they struck it rich somehow. Now, before you start thinking, and maybe you already have, about how you're going to spend that money, what's going to be your reaction toward the person who gave you that money? I mean, it's not every day that you get such an amazingly generous, large gift. What might you say to your gift giver? How might you feel toward that person? What might you do to show your gratitude to that person? Now, it's definitely not a perfect analogy, but consider what your more than generous God has done for you. On your own, the way that you are conceived and born, you deserve nothing from God. Nothing except eternal punishment in hell. That Bible verse that says the wages of sin is death, it's not just talking about physical death. It is also talking about eternal death. And then you compound what you deserve by your sinful attitudes your sinful actions, the way you treat what God has given you, your money, that's actually his money. You covet more. You covet what your neighbor has. You steal from your employer by by not working hard, by not being a faithful worker. Your prospects in God's eyes are less than desirable, to say the least. But God, because he is gracious... 
Because he is a loving master, he decided not to punish you. He decided instead to send his son, to send Jesus to this world to take your punishment for you. For all of those times that you that you fixate on money and material goods, Jesus took that punishment for you. For all those times that, that you got mastered by money, instead of mastering money, Jesus took that punishment for you. You were supposed to be punished, and Jesus was punished instead. And because he was, God wipes your debt of sin away. And he not only does that, he doubles down. He not only not punishes you, then he gives you life. He gives you eternal life with him. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, Paul says in Romans. So, what is your reaction to what God has done for you? Is it joy? Relief? Gratitude? All of that and more? All of these reactions can be internal. It can simply be how we feel toward God for His gracious gift of life and salvation. And I don't ask this question because we Lutherans are not necessarily known for for showing our feelings in all things spiritual. But how do you show how you feel about God and what He's done for us? What is it that you do to show God your gratitude? Now, the answer to that question can be pretty wide-ranging. Today, we're going to think specifically about money because this gospel reading is about money, about material goods. One obvious way to show our gratitude toward God is what we put into that plate that sits at the back of our sanctuary. Now, granted, we have no New Testament law that tells us specifically how much we're supposed to put in the plate. The Old Testament believers, they had those laws. We don't. So just think about these questions. Is your offering generous? Is your offering heartfelt? In other words, is it is it not given grudgingly? Is it a first fruit offering? Is it not what you have left over at the end of the week or the month, but is it? does it come off of the top? Keep in mind also what David says to God in First Chronicles 29. He said, Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything that we have is God's. He gives it to us. You also show your gratitude for God's awesome grace by how you provide for those who are closest to you, especially your family. Now, perhaps you're not the the primary breadwinner in your household. Maybe you don't bring in the most income. But it takes more than just money, a paycheck, to keep a household going. Think about all of the the cleaning and cooking and laundry and, and maintenance and feeding all of the mouths, making sure everybody is staying relatively healthy. It's a lot of work that goes into providing for your family. Paul states it in a negative way, but he's simply pointing out the importance of thanking and serving God with our money when he says this in 1 Timothy 5. 
If anyone does not provide for his own family and especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And how about showing gratitude to God by helping out other people who are around you? Notice that Jesus mentions in the gospel reading, make friends for yourselves with unrighteous mammon. In short, use your material possessions to help others. Remember what Jesus told the believers, the sheep, on the last day. He said, I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was lacking clothes and you clothed me. And when the sheep asked Jesus when they did all of these things for him, he said this, Just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Obviously, Jesus isn't saying that you have to give away all of your material possessions to those around you, but can you help out when people are in need? If God has blessed you with material goods and and you can be generous, you have that capacity to be generous, can you help out people who are in need, people that you know? Is money mastering you or... Are you mastering money? It's such an easy trap to fall into being mastered by money. The wisdom of the world says that we're supposed to look out for number one. And I actually agree with that statement. But you have to define who number one is. God has blessed us with the forgiveness of our sins, with life, with eternal salvation. All of that through Jesus. And that makes him number one. Be master of your money by using it for his glory. Amen.